Welcome to the Bethesda Christian Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit yourbcc.org or download our mobile app from the App Store. Thank you, thank you. You did a wonderful, wonderful job. Didn't they do a wonderful job? I hope you're inspired not only to share the light, but shout his fame. If you can't be inspired by that, then check your pulse. It's so great to have the energy in the room. It really is. Uh, they're so, the children are sincere. They are sincere. And we need to pick up some inspiration from that to share the light, don't let our little light be hidden, to shout his fame. Uh, they just set the stage for a wonderful, wonderful morning. And it's all about spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what we've been talking about all month. Of course, it's part of our Christian walk and our Christian faith. But this month, if you're visiting with us this morning, this month we've been focusing on the missions that we support here at Bethesda Christian Church. And uh, this morning, it closes our missions month. We've taken September to just focus on the different local missions and uh, missions that are outside our borders that help us in the role of spreading the fame of Jesus, sharing the gospel, spreading the light. Our theme has been one by one. And when it comes right down to it, uh, the gospel that Jesus is famous for, the gospel he uh, died for, that's something that we can share as individuals. Yes, we support groups. Yes, we're a group as a church. But sharing Christ oftentimes boils down to us, individuals, one-on-one, sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Each one of us can share that little light. We've got it. If you know Jesus, you got the little light. Actually, you got a really, really bright light. You got the light of life. And we saw that we saw that same enthusiasm in the video about uh, our missions. We've been showing little video snippets from different people. And this morning, you saw Sarah Esquivel and David Esquivel and Winford Bailey and Murray Scott. There was a spectrum of maturity and age and uh, different places in Christian walk. Each one of them, they're individuals. Sarah Esquivel said, you know, what's this trip mean? Well, it it comes down to what Jesus is doing in me. You know, it wasn't about the the group or the team necessarily, but God was working something in her. It's an individual. We're all created in God's image and likeness, and he can use us, each one of us individually. They made an impact for the kingdom, whether... They were out there digging trenches in Ecuador. We've had people in uh, Mexico. We've been in different places of the world. And then, too, we've heard some really powerful words, I think, from both uh, Winford Bailey and Murray Scott about funding and financial support. And these are people that know the blessing 
These are people that know you cannot in any way, shape, or form outgive the Lord. They support because they have seen his blessing. They know his blessing. And they say it very straightforwardly. God's given it all to them. And they were uh, desired to be used, to be used just as one, sowing into his kingdom, each one of us individually, so that others can be one, W-O-N, by the one, O-N-E, Jesus, the one and only Jesus. It's all part of the evangelistic mission that every single one of us as Christians are called to be a part of. Every individual contribution to advancing the, the, the Bible and the gospel. And it's not always easy. Sometimes there's, uh, there's pain in our Christian walk. Sometimes we might be challenged to share Jesus Christ because we're not really having a great day and we're feeling uh, some pain. The Apostle Paul, we've talked about his walk last week. I talked to you about his experiences in the city of Ephesus where he felt some pain. Him and his whole mission team, they came under some real persecution. Yet even in the pain, even in the hurt of it all, the, the apostle said yes to his mission and to his calling and to his work. He said yes. He uh, wasn't fickle about saying yes. He didn't waver. He said yes. And that's what Jesus did when he went to the cross. Jesus said yes, regardless of the fact that there was going to be some pain. Jesus knew it. The apostle knew it. The apostle knew his calling. He said yes. And I want to just talk or touch on that uh, scripture from last week very briefly about that idea of hurt in the mission. Because we all don't have the greatest day every single day. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, which I talked from last week, Paul spoke about some of the difficulties. He said, we despaired of life itself. Now that's a pretty bad day. It's a pretty bad day if you're saying, I despair of life itself. And he said, I feel as if we've had a death sentence. It's, it's, that is heavy. That is very heavy. But I don't want it to come across to you if you read that chapter, the first chapter of 2 Corinthians, that this guy was whining, that he was complaining, that he had too much. I don't read it as a, a whine. I don't read it as a complain. He pointed out his sufferings. And he said to that Corinthian church, you share in my sufferings. You share in these same sufferings of Christ. And he understood it. He understood that he wasn't alone. He used himself as an example. Yeah, I'm going through some things. I'm at the, uh, the point where I might despair of life itself. But you Corinthians, you Corinthians in this church, you understand suffering for your faith. They did. Paul wasn't saying, oh, woe is me. Oh, woe is me and my mission and, and my team and we're suffering so much. He wasn't expressing uh, that it was only him. No, he was expressing the mission for Christ 
for him and for the Corinthians, it wasn't going to be a cakewalk. It wasn't going to be all uh, flowers and lollipops and rainbows. There was going to be some difficulty. But even when it's difficult, even when you feel you're at your end, I'll remind you of what the apostle wrote there in the first chapter of 2 Corinthians. God is the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles. In other words, what was the apostle saying? There is purpose in the pain. And I don't want to hear that. Those aren't easy words to hear. Shouldn't it just be all a grand experience? Never any hurt, never any difficulty. After all, you've come to Jesus Christ and you put behind you a a life that may have been miserable. Why do I got to be miserable now? Why has it got to be difficult? I'm following hard after the gospel of Jesus. But life is hard. I'm in despair. I'm in despair of life itself. I have pain. If it's pain because you're walking the walk with Jesus, as the apostle was, and as he's trying to relate to that church in Corinth, he said God is the father of compassion, the God of all comfort, comforts us in our troubles so that we, so that we can comfort others who are going through something and in trouble. And that's the purpose. There's the purpose. It was right there in first, uh, the first chapter of 2 Corinthians that we can comfort those who are in any trouble. And it's hard to hear, but that's precisely what Paul was attempting to do is encourage these Corinthians that in the pain and despite it, God will help you and he will carry you through. Paul knew God's pain, but he knew God's love. And that was the theme of his letter. And I said that last week. That was the theme of his letter in, uh, to the Corinthians, that second letter, that God is there to help you through it. When we model our life after Jesus Christ, Jesus suffered and he died, but he was comforted. And you might say, well, yes, he was he was resurrected from the dead and he was raised to glory. But that's not where I'm at right now. No, you're not. You're walking this earth, right? And yeah, gravity still pulls you down and it may be pulling you down more than it did a few years ago and you may be having all kinds of other struggles in your life. But there's an ultimate end to to our destiny as Christians, and it's not in this world. It's not in this natural life. The Christian's ultimate end is the same that Jesus Christ received, and that's resurrected life. And that's something that we can point to and look forward to. And it's something that we can take comfort in when we're feeling something in this world and in this life. There's an eternal destination. That's what these little children are really singing about, too. Shout his fame and share his light because there is an eternal purpose to this idea that Jesus Christ came and he died for us. It's an eternal end that far outweighs this life. It transcends the pain of this life. 
So be encouraged. Be encouraged. Stay on point. Continue in your faith. Continue in your calling. Continue being one who represents Jesus Christ. Continue being one who shares that little light so that others can be one, one by one to the kingdom of Jesus Christ and then his kingdom grows and that's our purpose here as Christians and we see that same purpose in every mission that we support. And we support them, I remind you, because they bolster the work of the church. In the case of our local ministries that we support, we support them because we don't have often that expertise right here. So we don't want to be redundant. We typically don't support a ministry where we staff up that exact same ministry right here inside our walls. For example, Bethesda uh, doesn't have a ministry where men and women can focus to overcome sexual and relational difficulties. And that's why we support a local mission that's called Reconciliation Ministries because that's their focus, that's their core. They are our Christ-centered partner because that's all they do. And when we encounter someone who has a need in that area, we can say, here you go, it's right here, it's right in our community. We help them and you can find some help if you're dealing with that. All of our missions, local and the ones beyond our borders, they do work that advances the cause of Christ. And we want to support that. They do the work that makes him famous. And they broaden the ministries that are available inside our walls. And most importantly, they focus on Jesus. Their mission is in concert with our mission to win others to Jesus Christ. And we support them in prayer. I talked about that last week. And we support them with funding. And it's great to say to a hurting person, hey, here's a place for you. You can go there and find help, and I support that place. But our support doesn't uh, go away uh, just because we give. It doesn't lift our personal responsibility to share Jesus with others. When Paul wrote to the Corinthians in his second letter, he wrote much about what he and Timothy and some of the others that he was with suffered. But as I said, he also included the broader Corinthian church. They were part of the team. Everyone is. Every single one of us is part of the team. We're individuals. We build the kingdom as individuals, but we also work together. And we find examples in Paul's letters where he speaks of his experiences as a missionary, an evangelist. And we can use those examples and apply them to our life today, even though they're 2,000 years old. And I want to consider one of those. And it's later in the second letter to the Corinthians, and it's part of the reading that we've been doing together. So if you look on the back of your bulletin, you'll see that. Our reading plan for next week, last week's had us in the second letter to the Corinthians. And if you read through it, it'll be a little review. And if not, we'll get to it. In the, the first half of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 
Paul wrote about the reality of the end. Now, the reality of the end of this life can sometimes seem like it's a downer. But like I said, we're, we know beyond a shadow of a doubt as Christians, there's way more to this life. There's a resurrected life to look forward to. In the first half of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, the apostle writes about the end of this life. Hey, you've got this body, and he calls it a tent, and it's going away. I mean, very bluntly, he puts it out there. We're going to die. We are finite creatures in terms of the natural, but we have a spirit and a soul that continue on. So this tent, we're going to leave it one day. We're going to drop this tent. And uh, I know many of us say, great, good. I want to get rid of this old thing. It's been causing me trouble. It's got creaks and things. And, you know, this morning, it was one of those colder mornings, right? Fall's coming. And, you, ah, you feel one of those cricks. Like, oh, where did that come from? It's cold in here. Can't wait to get rid of this thing. I'll never have to have a, a new knee put in. I'll never have to have my shoulder replaced again. Thank you, God. Thank you. I can look forward to that. I can look forward to the resurrected body. That's wonderful. And that's what Paul's writing about in the first half of 2 Corinthians 5. You're going to get rid of this tent, and you're going to be covered differently. He says you're going to be covered differently. It's a heavenly covering. And he gives us this picture of the resurrection. And he says, too, plainly, and you're going to have to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And he writes in verse 11, which is about halfway through 2 Corinthians 5, that we can use this idea of the gospel and this great end that we're going to have where we're going to receive a new covering. We're going to stand before Jesus Christ where he is, if we have the righteousness of Christ, he's going to give us rewards. And he said, use this to persuade others. And a few lines later, he says, why? Because Christ's love compels us. Now, he keeps using this pronoun we, and he's referring to himself and Timothy and some of the others that were with him. You can see that at the beginning of the letter. He says, it's coming from me and Timothy. So this is the we. But his implication is clear, too, about the we. I'm going to put myself as part of the we. He said, you Corinthians join us. And I think that points to, to us here in this room this morning as Christians. We can make ourselves part of the we Paul is talking about. You have a hope. You have an eternal future. You have a resurrected life to look forward to. Now persuade others about that. Be compelled by the love of Jesus Christ to share that, to share that little light. This then leads to Paul's compelling conclusion in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And I want to share that with you. I want to read a verses 17 to 21 from this chapter. He writes, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone and the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he was committed, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. 
We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Paul started the chapter talking about our eternal destination, the fact that we're going to shed this here uh, tent, this body. We're going to get a resurrected body. He said, use that to compel others because of the love of Christ. And then he says, therefore, if you have Jesus Christ, you're a new creation. You are a new creation. You're looking forward to something totally eternal that's, that's beyond this world. And then he leads into this image. He led into this image uh, of an ambassador, and he said, Christ has given us a ministry of reconciliation. And then he went on. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Now, how did he do that? He was offering a way to the world for their sin against God to be expunged. Paul wrote it, not counting people's sins against them. That's amazing. That is something to stop and think about. And that's the short story. Paul put it very concisely there at the end of 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Really, it's the entire gospel. Right there in a few lines. Short, concise. And I want to expand it a little bit. Because the apostle gave us a real essence of the gospel. And I will... I want to paraphrase, I'll say, in a longer way and give you the longer story. The apostle could have written, he could have written the creator and the sovereign God of the universe, though incited and highly provoked and righteously offended by sin, the sin of all, for all have sinned, Instead of exercising his wrath, the almighty sovereign God has revealed his mercy and his grace with a plan of reconciliation. Now follow his plan and not only escape the punishment you deserve, but also be restored as one approved by God and in good standing with God. And this plan was carried out in Jesus Christ. He removed every obstacle. He removed every hindrance standing in the way of being reconciled to your creator God. And he did it by living a life without sin, in perfect obedience to the will of his father, and in giving of his life, receiving the punishment for sin that we deserved. He who had no sin was made sin for us by God that we might become the righteousness of God. That's the longer version of what the apostle was trying to get across by saying we have this ministry of reconciliation. The Bible also refers to it as the new covenant. The new covenant in the blood of Jesus Christ. And I want to call it this morning the treaty of reconciliation. And I call it a treaty because Paul's using an image of countries here. And a treaty is between two countries or one or more countries. Now think of Christ's ministry of reconciliation for a minute as the treaty between the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of earth. 
Now that would be amazing that heaven has made a treaty with us. But we're citizens now. We in Christ are citizens now of the kingdom of heaven because of that treaty. We walk the earth, but our reality is heaven. Our reality is eternal. Our destination and our citizenship is in heaven. No, we're citizens of heaven as Christians. We're in another country right now. We're in a foreign place. The Bible presents that very clearly, that we're foreigners here, in essence, when we become Christians. Paul wrote about he and his missionary team. He wrote that we are Christ's ambassadors with this message of reconciliation. And that word ambassador, it, it frames the image for us. The image of multi-governments, at least two. Because an ambassador is a, a representative from his home country to another country or to a foreign country. The ambassador, when he comes from another country, he comes authorized by the head of state. You know, whether that's a king or whether that's a prime minister or a president, the ambassador comes authorized by that head, by the head of his country. And he represents the desires and the will of that head of state. And the ambassador can speak with the authority of that head of the state because the power of the head of that state has been vested into the ambassador. The ambassador doesn't come in his own name. An ambassador doesn't come under his own power. He doesn't come to conduct his own business. The ambassador comes to conduct the business of the one who sent him, of the power and the authority of the one who sent him. Now Paul and his team make it clear and they came as representatives of the one who sent them. And who is that? Jesus. They came as representatives of Jesus Christ. They were missionaries. Paul said, we're like ambassadors. Christ is the head of heaven. Christ is the head of the church. Christ is the head of the kingdom of God. And Jesus Christ sent them. They were ambassadors for his kingdom. They came under his power and his authority. And they came with his message. They came with the treaty. They said, listen, you can be reconciled back to the kingdom of heaven. Isn't this a great treaty? The message, the treaty of reconciliation? Jesus Christ will vindicate you of any wrongdoing you've ever done. And he'll reconcile you with God the creator. That's amazing. That is amazing. Jesus can wipe away your sins. What do you need to do? You need to enter into his treaty. You need to listen to the ambassadors. Because the ambassador brings this, this message, this treaty. We as ambassadors for Christ, we're called to bring that message. We're foreigners here on this earth but we're representatives of a greater kingdom. We're representatives of a greater power. We are representatives of an eternal kingdom. Each one of us is as Paul was. We are called as individuals to be Christ's messengers, the ambassadors to implore others on Christ's behalf with his message. Be reconciled to God. 
That's how Paul summed it up. Be reconciled to God. God made Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for you. That's powerful. That's amazing to share that with somebody who's never heard it. Do you know there is somebody who has been made to take all the wrong you've ever done? Lay that out to somebody and see if it doesn't have power. He who knew no sin became sin for you so that you could be the righteousness of God. You could stand before God righteous. Now, of course, we only have so much capacity as individuals to share that message. But we make efforts as individuals. We make efforts in unity with others. And that's the reason the church is so important Because together, as groups, we get equipped. We get equipped to spread this message, to learn this message, so that we can go out there one-on-one, one-by-one, and together we can also be part of a team that multiplies our effectiveness. Together we support organizations. We go to those organizations sometimes on these short-term missions trips, organizations beyond our walls. And like all our missions, we're, they are, they're acting as ambassadors. We're acting as ambassadors. We're out, there to, we're out there to represent a higher power, Jesus. The highest power. And these missions require our support. And they require our support through prayer, yes. And I encourage you last week to take, take this uh, brochure that you received today, take it home and just tack it up somewhere. Put it somewhere. Take it to your office, put it on your, put it on your refrigerator. Just be reminded to pray for these ministries. You know, pick one. And you don't have to pray for hours just pick one. Look at it. Open it up. Pick one. Egypt, Mexico, Operation Serve International. I'll pray for that today. And just say, Lord, uh, bless, bless them. Bless Connie and Sama as they are uh, running this ministry and keep them safe. There's a prayer. They're not forgotten. Pray for these ministries. They, they require our Support, though, beyond prayer. Natural, in the natural, they need funding to run. And so last week, I, I asked you to consider and think and pray about what your support would be for our missions. And inside this, this brochure, there's the little faith promise card. And the reason we ask you to complete this now, when we're looking forward to 2019, this isn't asking you to make a promise for today, but beginning in January 2019. We do it so that we can plan and we can let these ministries know, hey, we are behind you for 2019. And we would love, it would be our joy to let them know we might be able to do a little bit better than we did last year. But we need to plan. And in a minute, I'm gonna ask you, if you would, just to 
fill this out. And our ushers are going to be waiting at the rear of the uh, sanctuary this morning to collect them as you leave. And I could stand here and encourage you with all kinds of persuasive words. I could do my best to compel you about God's exponential blessing. We heard from a couple of great pillars of the church and Winfred Bailey and Murray Scott earlier. And I could use their words, but I'd rather not do that. Paul had written in his first letter to the Corinthians, expressing his desire to visit the Corinthians, and I told you about that. When he closed his first letter in chapter 16, he indicated that he would be receiving an offering. And in this second letter, there's two full chapters that are devoted to encouraging their generosity and that offering. So I'd just rather use the word of God. I'll say my words are feeble. My persuasion is weak. But there's power in the word of God. There is power. It is a word that's a living word. I can't say it better than the word of God. So I'm just going to share with you some excerpts from 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9 as we close. This is 2 Corinthians 8, the opening eight verses. Then I'll read some verses from 2 Corinthians 9. Paul writes, And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches in the midst of a very severe trial. Their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity, for I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord and then by the will of God also to us. We urged, so we urged Titus, just as he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. I am not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love, comparing it with the earnestness of others. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your own heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor, their righteousness endures forever." Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. The service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but it is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. That's the word of God. 
And I pray that it moves you in your heart to be helpful in expanding the fame of Jesus Christ, helpful in sharing the light of Jesus Christ. Mr. Bailey said something profound. He pours into us for us to pour out. Brother Murray used the example of sowing seed just as the Apostle Paul did. We don't realize how good we have it. So I'm just going to ask you to take a minute, if you can, to fill that out. If you can't, for any reason, if you can't find somebody next to you, is a pen. Take the time this week to seriously consider this. And it doesn't matter the size of your gift. It doesn't. The apostle was very clear on that. He said, I'm not commanding you. Each of you should give what you've decided in your own heart, not reluctantly. God loves a cheerful giver, and he's able to bless you abundantly. So I'm going to just take a minute to pray, then I want to give you a minute to, to write something down on this, and then we're going to close together in prayer. Father, thank you for all that you've done for this church. God, you have blessed us abundantly. And we know it. Lord, we have partnered with these, these ministries local and outside our borders. And it's our desire to continue to support them. So Father, help us. Guide our hearts. Help us, Lord, not to be a under any compulsion, but to freely spread and supply seed to the sower. God, help us. We want to excel in this grace of giving. And God, if there is a struggle in us, help us to just trust. Help us to just trust your goodness. We thank you, Father, and we bless your name. We bless you, Father, and we thank you in Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen.